anger, denial, and loss of control. These are just some of the emotions that can erupt when a family member, friend, or partner has received a devastating medical diagnosis. And it can get a lot worse when the patient hasn't appointed a champion who can speak for them and make decisions on their behalf if they can't do it themselves. And if the family is split, look out. I'm Roland Wilkerson with Novant Health Healthy Headlines. And today we're talking with registered nurse Alicia Childs about the importance of having a healthcare champion and getting your healthcare choices down on paper. Alicia has seen a lot over the years and will help us understand why we need to make our wishes known. At the end, we'll come back and tell you about a free site where you can learn how to start the conversation and get all the paperwork you need. You'll also find stories on this topic and hundreds of other healthcare topics at Novant Health Healthy Headlines. Thanks for listening. What's it like when families are divided over um, a, a, a family member's care mm-hmm. and there's nothing on the record mm-hmm. as to what the patient wanted? It can be very chaotic because, as you know, anything can happen. I mean, someone, I mean, you're, you're not too young to get sick. You can have a stroke. You can, you know, have an accident in a boat or you can accidentally, you know, almost drown. I mean, anything can happen. People overdose all the time and you don't expect someone in their 30s or, you know, early 40s, 50s to, you know, become chronically ill. But I'm also the manager for the inpatient Harris Hospice Unit, so they see that a lot. Um, The different family dynamics, someone may have, you know, six or seven kids and everyone wants to have their opinion of how the care should go. You may have kids and families who haven't seen their loved one for, you know, 10 years, but they feel that they have the right to come and make decisions. Um, that can be very, very chaotic. It can be stressful for the, you know, the patient, if a patient is still, you know, coherent. It's stressful for the team members as well as the family. So you can't even focus on your last moments with your loved one. Your focus is now on the stress of control. A lot of times that's really what it is, is, is control. So talk about that a little bit. What do you mean? Um, for example, there was a patient who um, had a stroke, unexpected stroke, and he had a girlfriend, you know, of, you know, X amount of years, plus he had his children who may or may not have been involved in his care. So there could have been some family dynamics prior to the patient, you know, coming, of course, and the girlfriend thought that she should make the most rational decisions for her, her long-term, you know, significant other and here you have the kids so it's, it gets very hairy so our hospice team is really good about getting our liaisons involved our social workers or physicians and having family meetings and saying hey there isn't a designated power of attorney but we have to come to a conclusion we have to come to a conclusion that's whether whether or not they appoint one person or whether or not they come to a decision about that person's health you know collectively as a whole and What's in a? Can you think of a case where, a, where a patient had all the all the paperwork and all the decisions in order? What was that like? Oh, you can. I mean, you can totally tell the difference just by walking into you know someone's room. Most of the time, that that family as well as that patient, they're at peace at what at what their decision is. Um, and I always have examples. For example, we had a you know, 
early 40s male you know young daughter um you know fairly newly married but he was diagnosed maybe a month prior to him coming to us but you know having that conversation with the physicians and you know accepting what his diagnosis and his prognosis was number one and then it all depends on their you know their faith and religious beliefs and where they are in that process and then when the whole family's on the same page it's a totally different a totally different environment and it makes it less stressful for that patient because i mean they're still there you may not think they're listening but they're they're still there and as well for the kids for the wife for the moms everybody involved is a much it's a much much different so how so how is it different what is what's it like you touched on this what's it like in a patient's room when when a healthcare power of attorney and directive and and everything is in place what what's that like compared to um compared to when families are split it's peaceful um not and i'm not just saying that for the team but for the patient it's peaceful and you have that time to reflect with the family about their loved one. You know, you can, for example, we have, you know, activities that we do with, say if you have a young child or um, a grandchild, we do handprints with the family. So they're more likely to be at a place where they can create those memories versus a family that may be in complete denial and they're still fighting for, you know, you have half of the family fighting to keep, you know, your loved one here and you have the other half you know, you know, accepting the fact that they're ready to move on. And all situations aren't really, you know, life and death. I'm just speaking on behalf of oncology and um, hospice. A lot of times someone may find themselves in a chronic, chronically ill situation, but not necessarily be at that point of, of death. And so you touched on something uh, really interesting for the patient what what's it like for them when maybe they're kind of coming in and out of consciousness and there's a lot of stress in the family about what to do and they can't and the patient isn't in a mental state Mm -hmm. to make their own decision what what's that like for them do you think of course agitation i mean um again people think that just because their loved one is unconscious that they're they're not they're not there but they can absolutely in in many cases probably the ICU or intermediate units a lot of patients that may come out of their you know critically ill state may even tell their loved ones hey I I recall when you guys were talking about you know you know ABC whatever whatever so um, I'm sure for those families that's that's tough but again I'm, I'm coming from a end of life standpoint primarily so in your experience, do most um, most of the patients you see, and, and you can kind of speak just for other people on other floors if you feel comfortable with it, mm-hmm. just in terms of knowing the hospital, do most patients, um, do most families um, know what their parents' wishes are and, and has there been, um, has the necessary paperwork been taken care of? Not all the time not all the time you will be surprised um, at, how, at how many people don't have their paperwork in line and I remember when I started and they talked about this in orientation and I'm like oh I'm going to do that next week and 
you know, that that is so important. Like, what? I mean, anything can happen. I can get in a car accident. I could, you know, God forbid, you know, drop down and have a seizure. You know, right now, anything can happen. But life gets busy, and it's been almost three years. What potentially are you doing to your family when you don't get an advanced um, medical directive in place? Well, number one, for yourself, you're losing control of your own health if you don't put something in place. What you're doing for your family, um, increased stress. I can't imagine someone having a critically ill loved one, say in the ICU or, or anywhere, and you having to make that decision. Like you don't know, you don't know the right or wrong answer, and then you're not, you don't have the stress just from what your loved one may want. What is your family going to think of you? So you have all these different dynamics going on, and based on your decision, it could be a life. A life, a life sentence in a sense. Yeah, so that's really interesting what you say about control is like, if, if you do put your wishes mm -hmm. down on paper, mm -hmm. then then you're maintaining control right. even if you can't, uh, even if you're unconscious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You still have control of your health and I don't know anybody that doesn't want to take control of their own health and their outcome. Hey there, Roland Wilkerson again. If you're still not convinced you need to take action, just search online for the case of Carrie Shivo and read about her 15-year case and the family battle that played out nationally after the young woman suffered cardiac arrest and wound up in an irreversible, persistent vegetative state. It might just spur you to action. Wondering where to start? Go to Novant Health Healthy Headlines and search for Choices and Champions. You'll see a link that gives you all the resources you'll need to choose a healthcare champion, someone who can stand in your corner when you can't speak for yourself. This is your chance to control your future. Thanks a lot. See you next time on Healthy Headlines.